Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we continue our reading of the marvelous Sermon on the Mount. We're in the heart of chapter 5. Can I just recommend to you, get out your Bibles, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the central teaching of Jesus, probably what he would typically teach as he made his, around, his way around the countryside. But it's gathered here in one place for our contemplation. Here's, I think, a key now to reading the Sermon on the Mount, is we can't read it as just one sort of moral philosophy among many. So, you know, everyone from Plato and Aristotle all the way up through Kant and Hegel and John Dewey have, have a moral philosophy. Here's our understanding of how humans ought to behave. Or they have a political philosophy. Here's the way we think society ought to be organized. That's true, again, from Plato through Karl Marx and everybody in between. And they say, well, here's Jesus' ethical teaching. Here's Jesus' political philosophy. That's precisely the wrong way to read it. Because one thing you'll notice, I think, is no one sounds like Jesus. And I mean ancient, modern. I mean religious people, non-religious people. Uh, no philosopher, no ethician sounds like Jesus. Jesus, in fact, sounds a little bit crazy. Name another moral philosopher who says, I say to you, offer no resistance to one who's evil. I remember some years ago when Christopher Hitchens was all the rage, you know, the famous atheist, and he just, you know, took Jesus to task for that. Like, what do you mean, don't resist evil? That seems the worst thing you could possibly say. If great evil's being done, well, of course you should resist it. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, well, turn the other one as well. Name one other moral philosopher, ethician, political figure who would say such a thing. Anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Well, this sounds like, like lunacy. And then, press it, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. Now see, mind you, Jesus is coming out of this great Jewish tradition, which is a very ethical, very morally astute tradition. Would anyone that preceded him in his own tradition have said something like that? Love even your enemies. No, I mean, love your, your neighbors, love your friends. Stand athwart your enemies. This is a deeply strange teaching. That's what I want you to see. Now, now why? Because he's not trading in ordinary moral thought here. He's certainly not trying to lay out a political program, whether that's you know, Plato's Republic, or it's Thomas Jefferson's America, or it's Karl Marx's communism, or whatever it is. Oh, and then there's Jesus' political program. Well, no, it's not like that at all. It's something qualitatively different. What's the key? Well, I mentioned it last week. I'll say it again. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, what's Jesus interested in? It's not primarily making us ethically upright. I mean, fine, of course, it's better than not being ethically upright. Don't get me wrong. 
He's not primarily interested in, you know, creating the right political program. I, again, I'd prefer a just political program to an unjust one, but that's not what he's primarily interested in. What he's interested in is divinization. Divinization. That we become conformed to God's way of being. The church fathers, I've quoted this before, said, Deus fit homo ut homo fieret Deus. God became man that we might become God. Extraordinary claim. That goes right back to the earliest of the church fathers. The purpose of the incarnation, God becomes one of us that human nature might be lifted up to share in God's own life. Okay, if that's the game, and not primarily just regular ethics or ordinary politics, if that's the game, what's God like? What's the nature of God's perfection? Well, here's another clue. That you may be children of your heavenly Father. Listen. For he makes his Son to rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The sun shines. Why? It's its nature. That's all the sun knows how to do. Does the sun say, well, let me check first if you're worthy of my warmth and my light? No, it just shines. On good people, uh-huh, it's it shown on Mother Teresa, but it's shown on Hitler too. <laughs> he, it, he makes his sun to shine on the good and the bad alike. God's love, listen now, is not something that is doled out according to our categories of justice. Well, that person doesn't deserve the divine love. Come on. That person, yeah, that person does. That's a good person. She deserves the divine love. Not that guy. Well, see, that's how we think. That's how we think and operate. Is I, I'll quote T.S. Eliot, measure out my love with coffee spoons. I'll give a little bit. If you earned it, you were good to me, you were kind to me, you were just to me, so I'm going to measure out a little bit of my love and affection to you. You've not been kind to me? Then I had it with you, pal. You're getting none of my love and attention. See, that's our sinful sense of what justice is. But that's not how God loves. See, let me make a, a metaphysical point here. God is not one being among many. So all of us, we're, we all influence each other. We both move and are moved, right? I influence, I am influenced. That's the way things work in the world. But God is not a being in the world. God is the creative ground of all that exists. God is the unmoved mover. He's the uncaused cause. See what that means? That means his love is not predicated upon some cause extraneous to itself. I will love you because. I will love you in the measure that. I will love you under these conditions. Well, that's how we creatures love each other. But that's not how God operates. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you just messing around with Plato, Aristotle, Karl Marx, or Thomas Jefferson. Because they're dealing within a purely natural framework. No, no, I want you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now listen again. 
he shifts the metaphor. He causes, he, God, causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Now, mind you, rain is not a bad thing here. These are desert people, so the rain, that was great. Like when the years I lived in California, we loved it when it rained. That was a sign of, wow, finally, finally it's raining. So God makes his refreshing rain to fall on those that deserve it? No. He makes it fall on the just and the unjust. Why? Because that's his nature. God is love, we hear. That's all he knows how to do. He doesn't play the game of conditioned love. Love parceled out. Love in bits and pieces. Love if you love me. And we are meant to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, everybody, with that all in mind, now revisit these particular prescriptions. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Well, yeah, that's old-fashioned justice. Hey, you harm me, I'll harm you. You know, you're good to me, I'll be good to you. You, you take a tooth of mine, I'll take a tooth of yours. That's old-fashioned justice in the kind of sinful, finite order. But see, I say, love your enemies. And if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn and give them the other. Well, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Yes, yes, it is a little crazy. Because I want you, Jesus says, to be divinized and to love precisely in the manner that God loves. So, someone wants to go to law with you over your tunic? Well, that's an act of great aggression. The implication here, probably it's a poor person that's not been able to pay a debt. And so he's being sued for the, the coat on his back. See, that's a very aggressive move legally. It's like, it's like someone striking you physically. They're striking you here legally. Someone does that to you? Well, what would we say? Well, I mean, fight back or defend yourself or, you know, get them back when you have a chance. Jesus says, no, give them your cloak too. <laughs> God makes his, his sun to shine on the good and the bad alike. He makes his rain to fall on the just and unjust alike. And so that's how we should behave. And then I think it's really summed up in this Still, after 2,000 years, still shocking command. I say to you, love your enemies. You know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Well, that's, that was the old, you know, the old justice. But I say to you, love your enemies. Now, who's an enemy? An enemy is someone who, by definition, has harmed you. That's why they're your enemy. They've hurt you in some way. So by a very ancient, <laughs> deeply ingrained instinct, we say, no, I'm going to at least defend myself, if not strike back. Love your enemy. Will the good of your enemy. Boy, that's hard, <laughs> everybody. It, I, look, I'm a sinner. I confess it. It's hard. I think right now of, of enemies of mine, meaning people that in some way have harmed me. 
Yeah, I know. It's it's deep in my animal nature. Think of you know, we all came we all came up from the animal world, and that's deep in our instinctual uh, makeup. To say no, no, you you fight back and and you resist. No, he says don't resist evil. And love even those, especially those who've harmed you. Can you see? It's the ultimate test of love. If love is to will the good of the other as other, what's the test? The test is that I would love someone who will not answer me in turn. That's also, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? If I love those who love me, if, if I give a party to those who will then give me a party in return, well, then I'm no better, Jesus says, than the pagans. In other words, than those who don't believe in the true God. If that's all I'm doing, then, then I'm no better than the pagans. No, no. The mark of Jesus' disciple is the one who can love even his or her enemy. Again, don't treat this as ordinary ethics. If you do, it's kind of crazy. And I don't know one other moral philosopher anywhere in the history of philosophy who says anything like this. It's being said to us not by Plato or Aristotle or Thomas Jefferson or Karl Marx. It's being said to us by the Son of God who wants us not just to be just in some ordinary human sense. He wants us to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. The one who makes his sun to shine on the good and the bad alike. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.